0: Chapter Twenty Two of Hopalong Cassidy's Rustler Roundup. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lee Smalley. Hopalong Cassidy's Rustler Roundup by Clarence Edward Mulford. Chapter Twenty Two The Showdown a fire burned briskly in front of mr trendley's cabin that night and several punchers sat around it occupied in various ways two men leaned against the wall and sang softly of the joys of the trail and the range one of them lefty allen of the o bar o sang in his sweet tenor and other men gradually strolled up and seated themselves on the ground where the fitful gleam of responsive pipes and cigarettes showed like fireflies the songs followed one after another first a lover's plea in soft spanish and then a rollicking tale of the cow towns and men supper had long since been enjoyed and all felt that life was indeed well worth living a shadow loomed against the cabin wall and a procession slowly made its way toward the open door the leader, hop disappeared within, and was followed by Mr. Trendley, bound and hobbled and tied to red, the rear being brought up by Frenchy, whose rifle lolled easily in the crotch of his elbow. The singing went on uninterrupted, and the hum of voices between the selections remained unchanged. Buck left the crowd around the fire, and went into the cabin, where his voice was heard assenting to something. Hopalong emerged and took a seat at the fire sending two punchers to take his place he was joined by frenchy and red the former very quiet in the center of a distant group were seven men who were not armed their belts half full of cartridges supported empty holsters they sat and talked to the men around them swapping notes and experiences and in several instances found former friends and acquaintances These men were not bound, and were apparently members of Buck's force. Then one of them broke down, but quickly regained his nerve, and proposed a game of cards. A fire was started, and several games were immediately in progress. These seven men were to die at daybreak. As the night grew older, man after man rolled himself in his blanket, and lay down where he sat, "'sinking off to sleep with a swiftness "'that bespoke tired muscles and weariness. "'All through the night, however, "'there were twelve men on guard, "'of whom three were in the cabin. "'At daybreak, a shot from one of the guards "'awakened every man within hearing, "'and soon they romped and scampered down to the river's edge "'to indulge in the luxury of a morning plunge. "'After an hour's horseplay, they trooped back to the cabin "'and soon had breakfast out of the way.' Waffles, foreman of the OBro and You Bet Soames, strolled over to the seven unfortunates, who had just completed a choking breakfast, and nodded a hearty, Good morning! Then others came up, and finally all moved off toward the river. Crossing it, they disappeared into the grove, and all sounds of their advance grew into silence. Mr. Trendley escorted outside for the air saw the procession as it became lost to sight in the brush he sneered and asked for a smoke which was granted then his guards were changed and the men began to straggle back from the grove mr trendley with his back to the cabin scowled defiantly at the crowd that hemmed him in the coolest most damnable murderer in the west was not now going to beg for mercy when he had taken up crime as a means of livelihood, he had decided that if the price to be paid for his course was death, he would pay like a man. He glanced at the cottonwood grove, wherein were many ghastly secrets, and smiled. His hairless eyebrows looked like livid scars, and his lips quivered in scorn and anger. As he sneered at Buck, there was a movement in the crowd before him, and a pathway opened for Frenchy, who stepped forward slowly and deliberately, as if on his way to some bar for a drink. There was something different about the man who had searched the staked plain with Hopalong and Red. He was not the same puncher who had arrived from Montana three weeks before. There was lacking a certain air of carelessness, and he chilled his friends, who looked upon him as if they had never really known him. He walked up to Mr. Trendley, and gazed deeply into the evil eyes. Twenty years before, Frenchy McAllister had changed his identity from a happy-go-lucky, devil-may-care cow-puncher, and became a machine. The grief that had torn his soul was not of the kind which seeks its outlet in tears and wailing. It had turned and struck inward, and now his deliberate ferocity was icy and devilish. Only a glint in his eyes told of exultation, and his words were sharp and incisive. One could well imagine one heard the click of his teeth as they bit off the consonants. Every letter was clear-cut, every syllable startling in its clearness. Twenty years and two months ago today,' he began, "'you arrived at the ranch house of the Double Y, up near the Montana-Wyoming line. Everything was quiet, except, perhaps, a woman's voice singing. You entered, and before you left— You pinned a note to that woman's dress. I found it, and it is due. The air of carelessness disappeared from the members of the crowd, and the silence became oppressive. Most of those present knew parts of Frenchy's story, and all were in hearty accord with anything he might do. He reached within his vest and brought forth a deerskin bag. Opening it, he drew out a package of oiled silk, and from that he took a paper. Carefully replacing the silk and the bag, he slowly unfolded the sheet in his hand, and handed it to Buck, whose face hardened. Two decades had passed since the foreman of the bar twenty had seen that precious sheet. But the scene of its finding would never fade from his memory. He stood as if carved from stone, with a look on his face that made the crowd shift uneasily and glance at Trendley. Frenchy turned to the rustler and regarded him evilly. "You are the hellish brute that wrote that note," pointing to the paper in the hand of his friend. Then turning again, he spoke, "Buck, read that paper." The foreman cleared his throat and read distinctly, "McAllister, your wife is too blame good to live." Trendley there was a shuffling sound, but Buck and Frenchy, silently backed up by Hopalong and Red, intervened, and the crowd fell back, where it surged in indecision. "'Gentlemen,' said Frenchy, "'I want you to vote on whether any man here has more right to do with Slippery Trendley as he sees fit, than myself. Anyone who thinks so, or that he should be treated like the others, step forward. Majority rules.' there was no advance and he spoke again is there any one here who objects to this man dying hopalong and red awkwardly bumped their knuckles against their guns and there was no response the prisoner was bound with cowhide to the wall of the cabin and four men sat near and facing him the noonday meal was eaten in silence and the punchers rode off to see about rounding up the cattle that grazed over the plain as far as any eye could see. Supper-time came and passed, and busy men rode away in all directions. Others came and relieved the guards, and at midnight another squad took up the vigil. Day broke, and the thunder of hoofs as the punchers rounded up the cattle became very noticeable. One herd swept past toward the south, guarded and guided by fifteen men. Two hours later, and another followed, taking a slightly different trail, so as to avoid the close-cropped grass left by the first. At irregular intervals during the day, other herds swept by, until six had passed, and denuded the plain of cattle. Buck, perspiring and dusty, accompanied by Hopalong and Red, rode up to where the guards smoked and joked, Frenchie came out of the cabin and smiled at his friends swinging in his left hand was a newly filled colt 45 which was recognized by his friends as the one found in the cabin and it bore a rough t gouged in the butt buck looked around and cleared his throat we've got the cows on the home trail frenchie he suggested yes inquired frenchie are there many yes replied Buck, waving his hand at the guards, ordering them to follow their friends. It's a good deal for us, we've done right smart this hand, and it's a good thing we've got so many punchers. We got a lot of cattle to drive about five times the size of the herd that blamed near made angels out in me and you responded Frenchy with a smile, I hope almighty hard that we don't have no stampedes on this here drive. If the last herds go wild, they'll pick up the others, and then there'll be the devil to pay. Frenchy smiled again, and shot a glance at where Mr. Trendley was bound to the cabin wall. Buck looked steadily southward for some time, and then flecked a foam-sud from the flank of his horse. "'We are going south along the creek until we gets to Big Spring, where we'll turn right smart to the west.' we won't be able to average more than twelve miles a day though i'm going to drive them hard how's your grub grub to burn got your rope asked the foreman of the bar twenty speaking as if the question had no special meaning frenchy smiled yes Hopalong absent-mindedly jabbed his spurs into his mount, with the result that when the storm had subsided the spell was broken, and he said, "'So long,' and rode south, followed by Buck and Red. As they swept out of sight behind a grove, Red turned in his saddle and waved his hat. Buck discussed with assiduity the prospects of a rainfall, and was very cheerful about the recovery of the stolen cattle red could see a tall broad-shouldered man standing with his feet spread far apart swinging a colt forty-five and Hopalong swore at everything under the sun dust arose in steaming clouds far to the south and they spurred forward to overtake the outfits buck peters riding over the starlit plain in his desire to reach the first herd which slept somewhere to the west of him under the care of waffles thought of the events of the past few weeks and gradually became lost in the memories of twenty years before which crowded up before his mind like the notes of a half-forgotten song his nature tempered by two decades of a harsh existence softened as he lived again the years that had passed and as he thought of the things which had been he was so completely lost in his reverie that he failed to hear the muffled hoof-beats of a horse that steadily gained upon him, and when Frenchy McAllister placed a friendly hand on his shoulder, he started, as if from a deep sleep. The two looked at each other, and their hands met. The question which sprang into Buck's eyes found a silent answer in those of his friend. They rode on side by side, through the clear night, and together drifted back to the days of the double Y. After an hour had passed— the foreman of the bar-twenty turned to his companion, and then hesitated. Did—did—was he a cur? Frenchie looked off toward the south, and, after an interval, replied, He asked. Then, as an afterthought, he added, You see, he never reckoned it would be that way. Buck nodded, although he did not fully understand— and the subject was forever closed. End of chapter 22